Great morning to you. Thank you, Jaden and team. And uh, one of the coolest things I think that our church does is uh, it gives people opportunities. And, and I hope that never changes. And many of us have opportunities in a variety of different areas. And, and serving the church is one thing. Um, I know we serve in the community. Many of you do many things. And one of the pleasures, as I've been at this church since, wow, well, we're almost going to go on 10 years here, um, is to have those who grow up in the church or come here and are young opportunities to grow. And not just grow as people and in size, but actually uh, with Christ. And so when you see a guy like Jaden who serves and grows. Um, for some of us, it probably brings a bit of emotion. Uh, but that's partly what we're all about. Is it, that's discipleship. That's what God's called us to do, is to help people grow, including ourselves. And so when you see that, that's fantastic. <laughs> so we, we don't ever want to change that. And, and so we really want to be about growing and releasing. We're not about growing and keeping, folks. I, I love you. You may not, you don't have to respond back to that. That's okay. Um, but, but we love for the time we have together here. And then God moves us on. That's what he does. He takes us to different spots at different times. It's about growing and releasing. And if God keeps you here in the same spot, then he does that. So we've had that privilege of watching Jaden and Jaden and Emily uh, now. And uh, next week, we'll have a little more formal stuff, so please come next week, and we'll have some goodies and things like that. Um, but uh, we have really been blessed. And so, as I say that, Jaden, um, I'm assuming that if I get booed, it's totally different than what you got. <laughs> so, anyways, wow. No, thanks. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. They, uh, but, but God is good. It's great to be here. My name is Todd. Uh, if we have not met, and I uh, have the privilege of being a part of leadership on small groups and our community groups. There's my plug for them if you haven't been a part of that. Uh, community groups are a fantastic way of growing and, and developing relationships, and we need those. If nothing else that COVID has taught us, two things. We need God or we need something beyond ourselves, and we need not to be lonely. <laughs> and so I will say I enjoyed my... my um, introverted side a little bit more during COVID. I will admit to that, but we need people. Uh, but, uh, and I, I also have the privilege of serving uh, as an elder in leadership and, and helping Kyle and our, our staff uh, grow and navigate uh, this thing called church. And so, but this morning, I get the best privilege of all, and it's, it's being together with our church family and walking through God's Word. God is here. God is here. I don't know if you realize that, but God is here. Because he's here with us, which means there's great things. And we're going to experience that, and you can see a little bit on the screen. But before that, we've we got to pray. Prayer, part of what it does is it recognizes the presence of God. And uh, we've had a, a crazy year and a half, hey, or more, and it hasn't stopped. Um, did, you, how did, you, did you get spit on on the way here? I hope you got spit on because we haven't seen rain forever, ever, and we desperately need it. Um, and some of those things. God knows, and uh, so I hope he gets spit on a little bit more. Um, but God, God has taken us through the last year and a half, and I don't know if you thought, where are we going? I sure did, but he's got us here, 
and he's brought us through. And so we're going to look at a little bit of that today. But folks, we need to thank the Lord for every moment of every day that he brings us through because we don't know what's next. So let's take time to pray. First 30 seconds of the prayer time, I just want you to spend time thanking God. I don't know what God has brought you through over the last little while, and um, whether it's because of COVID or not, but there's a lot going on. And I just want you to, to take time to acknowledge God that he's here and thank him. Okay, so we'll pray. And about 30 seconds in, which doesn't do anything justice to God for sure, but I'll, I'll continue us on in prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm just in awe, Lord. I'm in awe of, of, your, of your presence, of you, of your love for us, of you walking us through the last year and a half, of you walking us through a lifetime. I'm in awe of you that you would take individuals like Jaden and myself and others and, and all of us here and, and grow us and have so much more for us and plans. And, Father, thank you. Thank you for the rain. We need it. Um, Lord, strengthen those who are on the front lines uh, fighting fires. Uh, be with those, lead those who have lost property or homes or uh, livelihoods or whatever due to that. Father, there's so much going on, uh, so much pain and challenge going on that in front of us, so much suffering. And, and, Father, we need you. We need you to be Lord and Savior. And, and as I ask that, you say you are. Thank you for the times in the past that we can recognize that, that we, you've, you've walked through things with us and led us through, um, Father, even in the times that we don't recognize you. And so, Father, we're here again today at that same spot. We desperately need you to be you. And we thank you that you are. Father, I think of Katie Kels this morning as she's trying to get back to North America and has just had setback after setback and you know how traveling things work and I think she's in the air right now and so we ask that you'd keep her and others who are trying to get back to, to family, to loved ones, to um, we pray that you'd safely bring them back. Lord, uh, I thank you for each one here. Lord, you're going to call us to something amazing. You already are. Please make it clear and as you challenge us, as you, as you call us to, to come up to your standards to come up to your beauty. Encourage us to get there because we need that. We need to be motivated, Father, and we know it comes through you. So open our, continue to open our minds and our hearts this morning as we've been singing that, uh, how wonderful it is to grow with you and to, uh, to have you as our, our Savior, Jesus. Uh, remind us of how deep that goes and what that really means to each one of us and, and, and get us up to where we need to be. Help us to meet that challenge. Because when we are encouraged to meet the challenges that, that face us each and every day, um, as your kingdom comes, that we have hope. We are desperate for hope. Our world needs hope. In your wonderful name, I pray. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have this new series. 
And I don't know why they picked me to do optimism. But you can laugh at that if you want. I, I, you know what? Some people have been born glass half full and some people have not. And so as we go through life, we, we probably navigate and, and get closer to the ones who have the glass half full for some reason. We just love it. And so we've been given this title and it's called Optimism. And, and if you know anything about optimism, I, I looked at what it might, um, how you define it. And, and, and you define it simply, or many define it with these words, hopefulness and confidence about the future. Are you hopeful and are you confident? They go together about what's coming. And the future usually means about the unknown. So we don't know what's coming, but we're hopeful and we're confident about it. Does that describe you today? Are you an optimist? How is your optim, optim, optimism meter? How's your optimism meter? If it was like your arm, and, and you know, um, down is not so good, and up is really good, where do you fit today? Like, are you, are you here? Are you here? Maybe, maybe this is you. I, but the last, you know, the last month I've been getting, or the, the year and a half is like a fan. You know, so up and down, and like, where do you fit? Maybe today work is great. It's a great place for you. But you know what? Your home is, is, is a hard, painful place. Maybe for you today, um, physically, you can do anything. You could run a marathon. You should be out with the Olympics. <laughs> but maybe mentally, you wish you could hide under the covers at home and never get out. Maybe today, financially, things are looking up. Maybe you, after COVID, you got to change of jobs or you, you got your job back or whatever. But spiritually, maybe you're so dry and you're asking, where's God? Why don't I feel him like I used to? Has he gone somewhere? Where are you? <laughs> are you feeling the fan? The question we're going to look at today, uh, what, what eats away at it? The question we're going to look at today actually is, how do you handle suffering? To be optimistic about something, you have to deal with this thing called suffering. <laughs> God knows that, and so he's bringing it to us today. Past week, I was filling up my gas tank, and uh, I just finished up filling up my gas tank. It was probably 7 or 8 at night. And uh, putting things away, making sure the gas cap's on, all those good things, because we have a tendency to forget some of those things every once in a while. And, and as I was doing that, I heard this beautiful noise, like beautiful noise. And, and, and if, you're, if you're a car person, there are some noises that you hear, you're like, oh, like, like that's good. Like it's, it's that guttural sound. And, and, and so it was a vehicle. I heard a vehicle coming. It's not that guttural sound when, you're, when your, your tailpipe falls off or you got rust in your muffler. It's not that sound. It's that sound of that sweet car or truck or whatever's coming your way and you just like you pause because it's almost like the angels are singing and you, and you hear this sound and, and I heard this sound and it wasn't just any sound so if you're a car person you know sounds are attached to certain things and this was the sound of a Harley Davidson oh that's a good sound I look forward one day to hearing that sound in my driveway and maybe at home or Wow. But I heard this sound, and so it made me pause. And I actually went from whatever I was doing in my truck, and I, and I looked over, and this beautiful, similar to that bike, pulled in and, and, 
and parked and was getting ready for gas. And so then I'm just standing there. Like, I'm standing there like I'm in the presence of whatever, of, of some famous or person. I'm just like, oh, this is good. I'm glad I finished my gas. Because if I hadn't finished my gas, I would have been in trouble. And so, so as I'm watching this, I'm watching the guy. And the guy slowly takes his helmet off, gets, you know, gets his stuff ready. And he, and he opens up. He's got these side bags. And he opens up the one side bag. And he, he starts filing through it. And I'm not really paying attention because I'm still in awe of this beautiful machine. And so... I see him then go over to his other side bag and kind of ruffle through. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not sure what he's doing, but good enough. Then he goes back to the first one, and he pauses. Then he goes back to the second one a little quicker, and he pauses. And so I start thinking, what, what, what's going on? What's going on? This guy's getting a little more nervous now. And, and so I'm thinking, it's like, I think he needs help. Have you ever seen anybody where it could be gas station or whatever, where they need help and, and, and you're looking at them and you're like, I wonder, and, and then all of a sudden, it, so I've lost sight of the motorbike now, now I'm focused on the individual and I'm thinking, hmm, something's going on here. What, what do you think they needed? What do you think he needed? Yeah, exactly. He, I think, forgot his wallet or his money. Have you been there? I've totally been there. I remember parking, going in to get some gas. I'm like, oh, shoot. What am I going to start counting up the change? Like, fortunately, we still have little change containers. I got like $4 in change. But oh, your, your heart starts pumping. You start sweating. You're like, oh, how could I be so dumb? Um, you know, fortunately, we have phones now. We can call a friend. If they're still our friend, they might not be if we just ask them for money. But we can call somebody. So I see him get on his phone. I'm like, I bet you he forgot his wallet. That man was introduced into suffering. <laughs> If you have empathy for that individual and, and you've been through there and, and you've lost your keys, your phone, whatever it is, you get introduced to this wall called suffering, don't we? And we start to panic. That's what today's about. How do you handle suffering? Everyone gets it. Everyone will have to deal with it. We all have to run into it. We all have to face it. This fellow was beginning to suffer. We're going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and you can turn with me in your Bibles there if you like. I'll also put it on the screen. 2 Thessalonians 1, was a, it's a, it was a church. Uh, if you're familiar with the New Testament, a lot of them are letters written by different individuals to churches, and it's to help them, and to help them through this thing called suffering, amongst other things. And Thessalonica was a city in northern-ish Greece, uh, near the Aegean Sea. And Paul, in Acts chapter 17, gives you a little glimpse. We're not going to read it. You can read it later. We're going to go through a lot of stuff today, by the way, as we go through and look at a passage. We never cover near enough. <laughs> but it's to tantalize your taste buds. It's to challenge you. It's to encourage you so you can go later and chew on it and, and, and ask God about it and talk about it. And, and that's why we jump into this. Acts 17, not going to read it. But the first few verses talk about this church. And Paul comes to Thessalonica with Silas and, and with Timothy. And they have this adventure and they begin a church. And so 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians are letters written to that church. And, and so we're in the 2 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians written, if, you, if you're a history buff, about AD 50, 51, somewhere in there. And 2 Thessalonians is written about six months later. And it's to clarify something, and so we'll look a little bit at that as we go through. But essentially, it had to deal with the, the, the topic that we're looking at, which is suffering. How do we deal with suffering? 
If there's only one thing you take away from here today, two things. We celebrate Jaden and thank the Lord for uh, his provision for people. Second thing is this, God's grace got this. If you walk away from here today, God wants you to know that his grace, his gifts to you, his life for you is the only thing that you need to get through suffering. Okay? Let's discover it a little bit more. It says this. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. You know, it's interesting. Paul starts off his letters this way quite often. He prays for God to grant us or his readers grace and peace. It's, it's, not, it's not by accident because he's going to go into the rest of the letter and he's going to say, you're going to need this thing called grace. In other words, you're going to need to remember how good God is for you through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Don't ever let that go. And you're going to need to know that as well because you're going to need this thing called peace. Because <laughs> you're going to hit the wall of suffering and you're going to need something to settle you down. And it's grace and peace. So he prays for the church for this. And he prays for us for this. But not only that, he's, praying to the, he's talking to the church. The church is made up of people. The thing the church needs the most is what? Grace and peace. Because it's full of us. I need grace to deal with you, and you need more grace to deal with me. <laughs> and so he enters this. Anyways, side, but it's important because we're going to get into that. Dear brothers, verse 3, dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bring judgment on those who do not know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord um, and from his glorious power. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe, and this includes you, for you believed when you were told about him. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This Get this, this all made possible because of what? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anything that God calls us to today, any challenge we have there, it's all motivated by this last statement. Because of the grace that God has given us, we can go and do. Always look for motivation in passages of Scripture, folks. I don't think we have a problem finding the challenge. There's lots there. What we have a problem with, I find... And it's not the doing part necessarily, it's the motivation to go and do what we're called. And our motivation always, 
always is God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the grace he gives us. Anyways, let's jump into this. So what do we do with suffering? What are you going through right now? How are you handling things right now? God's grace to us got this. Remember that. God's grace has got this. So God, through Paul and the other three boys, says three things here. And these three things seem very simple. They often come up, and, and, and they actually can get quite numb. We mention them long enough. And it's the three Ps. It's praise, perspective, and prayer. <laughs> you might want to say that this morning's service is brought to you by the three Ps. If you're owed to Sesame Street there. Praise, perspective, and prayer. Paul's, whoops, Paul's first answer is that praise trumps suffering. Praise trumps suffering. Praise, encouragement, saying great things about someone else trumps suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you. Your faith is flourishing. Your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell other God's churches about your endurance and your faithfulness. Imagine what others are saying about Emmanuel to other churches. I don't know. But hopefully it's this. When's the last time you said something good about someone else? When's the last time you prayed somebody? Paul's answer to the Thessalonians' suffering was to praise them, to take notice of them to pay attention to them, and actually to physically tell them. They had to know. You know, an amazing thing for us to do is to tell others how well they're doing. Who here doesn't want to hear how well you're doing? It's so easy, I think, for us to tell people what they are doing. It's so easy for us to tell people that they should do certain things better. How good are we at telling people how good they are doing? How great they are doing? Where they are growing? You know, I think it's sometimes hard because it takes a lot of work. Hey, do you know anybody? It takes a lot of work because maybe things aren't going so good right now. He says, if you love them, you pay attention and you tell them. So let me ask you this. What have you said to your spouse? What have you said to a coworker? What have you said to your children recently? <laughs> what have your children told you? What have you said to your boss? What has your boss told you? What have you told your boyfriend or your girlfriend? What have you told your parents? What have you told your pastor? What have you told your congregation? You should always hear from up front here, we love you. God loves you. We know if we're not told that, eventually we don't want really anything to do with that individual, do we? We certainly don't want to come around. What have you told your mechanic? What have you told your grocery clerk? What have you told your fast food employee? Everyone here, who didn't order out when we, we had COVID? Tell your fast food employee. <laughs> Skip the dishes, whatever. You know, I appreciate you. It doesn't matter if it's their job or not. They need to know that they're invaluable they have value? What have you told your team? What have you told your students? What have you told your employees? What have you told your dog? 
They have to love you. How many of us beat up on our dog? So he tells them these things. We better keep moving. Oh, he tells them these things. Sorry. He says this. Your faith is flourishing. Your love for one another is growing. We love your endurance, and we love to tell other churches about you. Their faith was growing. Can I tell you this about suffering? Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. A car that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. (laughs) How many of you would buy a car without trying it? Hmm. Maybe you've been there. (laughs) Suffering tests our faith. In other words, suffering tests our trust and dependence on God. Will God come through? How do we know? Suffering gives us an opportunity for Jesus to prove that he is very Savior and very Lord. He is the Savior. In other words, he is built, he is wired, he loves to save. That's what a Savior is. But he's not only that. He doesn't come after and want to save you. It says he's the Lord, which means he actually has the power to do the saving. So he doesn't just say, hey, I'll be there and I'll leave you on your own. No, I'll be there and I'll walk you through. Suffering does this. It allows for that opportunity. Faith, trusting God, is like a muscle. It's meant to grow strong. It's got to be exercised. Suffering exercises our faith. Suffering gives us an opportunity to trust God. So let me ask you this. When suffering hits your home, and maybe it's been the last year and a half or more, When suffering hits your home, are you trusting God to navigate your way through, or are you trusting you to navigate your way through? Their love was abounding. In other words, it it was working. The believers loved each other and their community. The the, the believers uh, made things happen. Suffering can make uh, uh, us selfish. COVID's been fascinating for this, isn't it? The cracks have opened up. And many of us have gone in and become selfish in many ways. So suffering can make us selfish, or it can do the opposite, and it can explode, and we all of a sudden start caring about other people because we see them in their needs. That's what suffering does. What happens when you suffer? Do those around you suffer? (laughs) Don't, Don't answer that question. Or do those around you experience love from you? Suffering should tell us how hard life is uh, in, in which we live. And when we look at others and they go through their suffering, it should tell us, Todd, stop and be empathetic to those going through suffering because you know how hard it is yourself. But for some reason, sin switches that all around and says, you know, they're suffering. Let's beat up on them a little bit more. We throw our suffering out the window. But suffering's not supposed to do that. It's supposed to give us a, a bigger picture. It should tell us how hard life is and should help us realize how hard it is for those around. It should give us empathy and not make us crusty. <laughs> are you empathetic today or are you crusty? Seeing others suffer should cause us to love even more. So how did this work for you in COVID? Did you love more? First John says this. 
Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. You ever wondered what life is, love is? Here's the definition. Okay, clear as day. God's saying, this is what love is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Think about this for a minute. Nothing loving about us. God came to us. We're not worth dying for. God sent his one and only son to die for us and live for us. We didn't ask him. We didn't want him even. But this is what love does. And sent his son as an, a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us that much. What? What? We ought to surely love each other. If someone loves you so much, don't you just want to give it back? That's what he's saying here. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. You know what this means? It means that you want to understand how much God loves you? Start loving other people. And loving them the way God loves you. Start sacrificing for other people. Start loving them before they start loving you. <laughs> start loving them even if they don't love you. And you'll get a glimpse of how much Christ loves you because we've been there, haven't we? <laughs> we've had responses back of people loving us, and that's so great. We've have been, have had responses back of people who don't love us, even though we do everything for them. And that's horrible. Yet, that's the response that we've given back to God at times, isn't it? You learn to love, you'll learn the depth of love for you. Anyways, better keep going. Grace got this. Also says here their patience was increasing. He said, I want you to know how much Thessalonica church, how patient you've become, how enduring you've become. These believers endured. You name it, they probably faced it. In fact, the word affliction that you use in some of the versions means to press in. It's like an orange that gets squeezed and the juice comes out. So you really know what's in there. <laughs> When, they, when you squeeze an orange, you don't get apple juice. You get orange juice. <laughs> when we get squeezed, people see what comes out. So when you're squeezed, what's coming out? What's coming out? Do you know that the patience, endurance here is produced? It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? It's sent to us by God himself. We can become patient in suffering, and it's a gift of God. You know what that means? It means that God's alive and well in us. You ever wonder where God is when you become patient because of suffering and through suffering? It proves that God is alive and well. Most of us want to be out of the suffering, and we think that proves God's alive and well. He says, no, no. In suffering, I prove that I'm alive and well. You do not become patient and persevering by reading a book or by listening to a lecture, or by listening to a sermon. You must go through suffering. Okay, some people that we listen to, it is suffering. That's a joke. But that's not how we learn. We actually have to go through it. Last thing he says here, their testimony was helping others. Suffering can help others grow. 
helps us grow. We reveal our faith in God and God's grace to us when we go through suffering. So let me ask you this. What do you think, as I'm watching this gentleman and his motorcycle, what do you think I should have done? Here's your choose your own adventure for Todd. What should I have done? What would you have done? You know what? I, I felt for this guy. I've been there. I understand that suffering. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go pay his gas. So I walk over, and he's on the phone, and I'm assuming he's talking to a significant other or something. So I'm like, what do I say? And, and so I just kind of, I basically walk up to him. I said, hey, uh, excuse me. And, and he's on his phone, and, and he gives me this. He's on his phone, and he's like, uh, honey, there's somebody here. I'm like, I, you know what? I, I want to help you. It looks like you need help. I could be wrong, but it looks like you need help, and I just want to help you. He's like, honey, there's a guy here, and, and he wants to help me. Um, I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you might want to hold that number, because I'm a stranger to you. So I said, you know what? I, I, I think you've left your wallet at home. You know, I don't mean to stalk you and watch what you're doing, but I think you've left your wallet at home, and, and I want to pay for your gas. And he just looked at me with the same look. He's like, you know, you ever try to help somebody and they give you that, like, like there's got to be something attached to this, but, but no, there isn't. Like, I, I just want to help you. And we're in a society today where people give you weird looks when you just want to help them sometimes. Now, I know there's probably reasons why they do, and, and we're not going to bring up those stories. But I just, I went over to the pump. I said, the only way I can do it is show you. So I went over to the pump, put my card in, grabbed the pump, and I handed it to him. I said, just, just fill your tank up and I'm, I'm going to go. And he said, he just looked at me and he goes, like, huh? And I said, just so you know, I've been in your spot. I know what it's like to be in need. God has provided for my need all the time. And I want to help you out. And I walked away. Now, you could say, hey, Todd, that's great. What would you have done if a motorhome pulled up? <laughs> you know, something bigger, something that was worth more money, you know? Cost more gas. Well, you, you can come back at me on that one. I, I'm okay with that. But I tell you, I got an email because he asked me for my email address. That day I made a friend. That day I made a friend. Um, that day um, I got the address of a new plumber. He's a plumber. He said, Todd, whenever you need anything you need, I'm there. I know, hey? Again, I didn't go into this. I, I did not go into it for that. But above all, that day, myself and this individual experienced the grace of God. That's what it is. Because needs are met. We better keep going. <laughs> we'll never get done. Praise trumps suffering. Perspective trumps suffering. Perspective trumps suffering. Are you guys watching the Olympics? Are you addicted to the Olympics? You know, I, I'm kind of glad it went from four years to every two years and you get offset because we love the Olympics in our home. In fact, we love it so much. This, this is what's great about the Olympics. Karen let me bring the television into our bedroom so I could watch it. We love the Olympics. But what is it about the Olympics that we love? 
Isn't, isn't, and, and, I, and I think the TV and, 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 and uh, the, all the advertising and, and all those who, who show uh, the Olympics, they've gotten a hold of this. And what we love is the stories, isn't it? We love the stories of people who have overcome. We love the stories of people who have gone through a number of things. And I got to tell you this, like, like all our ladies, they're balling right now, right? Like they are owning the podium. Most of our women are the ones that have gotten our medals in Canada. Have you noticed that? Come on, men. It's so cool. It's great. And so what they do is they talk about a lot of these women and, and, and the stories of the guys as well. And, and it's been fantastic to watch. What's fascinating is that they tell you about the individual. They bring in their families. They bring in their what? Suffering. How they got there and they bring in that they got there i think the one the most favorite time of things for me to watch in the olympics it's not the actual event it's not the winners it's not the ones that pout when they don't make it <laughs> it's when they're first coming in and they enter in with their countries and they're in there and they're in awe of what's going on they made the olympics you know what happens when that goes? And you just watch them. They got their cameras, they got their phones, they got everything, and they're marching along. They're so proud to represent their country. They're so proud to represent their family. But you know what they probably remember? What it took for them to get there. They are celebrating that they are there, but they're remembering what it took for them to get there, especially the suffering. There's a story of a gal this year, she uh, did fencing for India. They've never had a female fencer, ever, in their history. And, and the story follows along that in 2019, as she's preparing to go and, 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 and all of that, her father passes away. Now, in her culture, her father earned the money. Her father was the one that was to support her. Her father was the one who was able to financially get her to the Olympics. She's going to the Olympics with no dad, there's no money, there's no Olympics. Mom comes along as the story goes and sells all the valuables that she has so daughter can go to the Olympics. So here's daughter coming down, India flag, and there she is with her face beaming. Why? Because she's gone through a suffering and now she gets the glory. She sees what? Bigger perspective. She sees the bigger picture. What's the bigger picture, folks? What's the bigger picture? I wish that the one part that we don't get to see, which I think is even more incredible this year in, in Olympics, is we don't get to see the end because everyone has to go home. <laughs> right? You don't get to see them all celebrating. When everything is done, they just get to hang out. They get to enjoy all the hard work that they've had. It's not there this year. Perspective trumps suffering. We're prone to think that suffering proves that God doesn't care, but Paul wants to remind this church that it's the opposite for them. It's the opposites that's true. We have suffering because God does care. Because <laughs> God is and does want to be real to you. He wants you to know that he is there. And we don't have time to look at this, and there's lots in this passage. Um, three quick things. One, verse 5 talks about a reward. 
There's a reward for all those who have been counted worthy. In other words, all those who have claimed Jesus as their Lord and Savior and continue to do so through suffering. There's a reward. God never promises that this life would be easy. In fact, he teaches the opposite. Matthew 5 tells us that. But there will be a reward. Second thing here, he talks about recompense. Or God, verse 6 to 10, talks about this idea of God paying back in the last days. God will pay back. And God will pay back to those who actually are against him and to those who are against his followers. That's us. God will actually pay them back what they deserve. You can read that, take that home, look at that more. I'm not going to get deep into that. Other than he's going to pay back those who have afflicted us. God wants to remind us that we live for eternity, not just the present. Does the second coming of Christ mean anything to you? (laughs) We live for eternity, not the present. God wants to remind us that we are responsible for our actions while on this earth, and those actions have eternal consequences. What you do matters for eternity. God wants to remind us that the righteous God is the judge of these accidents, of these, pardon me, of these actions, and he will judge all humankind. And if we do not want to have anything to do with God while on this earth, we will not have anything to do with him for eternity. If we don't want anything to do with God on this earth, we won't have anything to do with him in eternity. But if we want everything to do with him on this earth, we will have everything about him in eternity. Think about that for a minute. I really believe the earth is this, is this testing ground where we get, we get Christ, we get God's love, and he comes down to us, and he tells us all he's done, and he says, okay, make a choice. Whatever choice you make, that's the one you're going to be living with in eternity. Make that choice. He actually gives us, honestly, he gives us a glimpse of heaven on this earth All the good things are from God on this earth. Praise him. Thank him. He also gives us a glimpse of what we often get into suffering. And it's all the hard things. It's the bad things. And it's those things that are not a part of him. And that's a glimpse of hell, folks. On this earth, we get a glimpse of both. Everyone does. And we get to choose. What's our choice? God will leave you with what you want, but we are responsible for what we choose. Last thing he says here, he says rest in verse 7 and 10. I'll give you rest. And um, I think most of us like this the most because <laughs> we want it the immediate. I don't know who of us doesn't want immediate rest. But look at the time frame there. Does he tell you how long? When Christ comes. <laughs> That's when you get rest, actually. When Christ comes is when you get rest. That doesn't mean he won't give you a little bit now and he doesn't ease the burden, which is the word rest here. I'll ease it for you. I'll help you because I'm with you. But he says, you will truly get rest when I finally come a second time. Oh, Lord, come now, eh? But oh, Lord, thank you for waiting because there are so many who need to choose you before that comes. Last thing. Oh, That's a pretty good quote. You may not be anyone in the eyes of the world, but walking through trials, trusting Jesus, you are someone in the eyes of God. Last thing is prayer trumps suffering. Aren't we grateful for prayer? Isn't prayer such a fantastic thing? When Adam and Eve were booted out of the garden, 
because they wanted to be God. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to be God. They wanted to be the one making the decisions. That's sin, by the way, folks. Um, we think we're God. And God said, that's not the way it works here. You're not God. You can't be God. I'm going to remove you from the garden. You know what the first thing he did for them? It says at the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4, it says, they were people of prayer. He gave them prayer. What do you need when you're in suffering the most? We need to call out to someone who we think can deliver us. We need to speak to someone who actually might care. We need to speak to this loving, holy God, holy God who has the ability and who has the, uh, to not only love, but to, to, to move us along, to grant us peace and grace. So Paul prays for the church. He prays for their worthiness. He prays for their daily walk. He prays for their witness, that they live up to this calling of grace and love. Trials don't make a person, folks. They reveal what a person is made of. When faith is tried, we reveal our worth. Our suffering, our bruising, our the, this crushing and this melting process is designed to reshape us, to pivot us. There's a word we used over the last couple of years. Maybe we're tired of using it. To change us. In fact, God knows our hearts so well, better than we do, so he sends us suffering because he knows that that is what will change us. That is what will cause us to depend on him. You know what the the thing that I find that the craziest about suffering, when I want to pray it away, you know what happens? I need God less. You find that? You find you go to God less when suffering disappears? You ever wonder why suffering exists then sometimes? Because we are dependent on God. That is our relationship on this earth. He, he, he doesn't love to suffer us, but he loves for us to need him. Because that's his place and that's our place. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, we are, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through our what? Through our suffering. Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Our greatest witness is suffering. The greatest witness others have to us is through suffering and God's meeting suffering. Jesus is glorified or made known when we hold steady and don't give up. When you say no to evil and you walk away from it. Suffering reveals who we depend upon. So the question for us today is, who are we trusting when times get rough? Is it you? Or is it God? God's grace has got this. Let me finish with this story. We have a pastor in our fellowship. Some of you know that I work with churches and we have uh, about 100 churches in BC and Yukon, and, and one of our pastors is from Richmond. And he's got the sweetest name ever. You'll probably remember this more than anything else of this service. His name is Kamal, Gamal, and he's from Nepal. Kamal Gamal from Nepal. Great guy. COVID hit. And um, you can actually look it up online, because this story is from him online. And he, 
he looked at his church and he said, we're going to hit the wall of suffering. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What can we offer? How are we going to lead people through it? How can we help our church know that God is alive and well? It's amazing the ingenuity that comes through suffering. So what he did was, he began to pray, and, and what the idea came from God was community 411 groups. That's what they called it, community 411 groups. And simply what these groups did over the next year and a half, they delivered groceries and care packages to shut-ins, to refugees, they're in Richmond, remember, to new immigrants, to COVID-affected families. They just started handing out these care packages to anyone who needed it. They actually had community contacting them to deliver. Not only that, they spoke and visited to the lonely. You ever feel lonely over the last year and a half? They intentionally phoned where they could. They visited, they emailed, went for a walk. The lonely, those who couldn't get out, the limited, the seniors, those who struggled. Not only that, this one I think is a bit crazy, but this, they started writing letters to the prisons. They began a prison ministry because of suffering. No, not because of suffering, through suffering, because God called on their heart. They knew that others were suffering, and they started to love. Why? Because grace motivated them. Because God's grace got this. Every time you hit your wall of suffering, remember, God's grace got this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, Thank you for being amazing. Lord, I don't think we'd ever, I hope we wouldn't ever wish suffering on other people, but when we read a story from your word that, that shares about a church that's going through suffering and, and how you want to alleviate that or you want to walk them through that, oh, we'd love to glean the truth from that because we're so desperate to find answers for our own. So we thank you for those examples. In fact, Lord, we thank you for the examples around us. We thank you for those in this church family who are examples of walking through uh, suffering. <laughs> Father, we desperately need you as Savior and Lord. We thank you that you, you love, you live to save, Jesus. You love and you live to save us, Jesus. You love and you live to save those around us, Jesus. And you've proven it over and over and over again. From the day you saved us, our salvation, eternity with you, to every moment of every day, from the rain dropping from the sky, to a person's phone call, to filling a gas tank, to being with your parents, to being with your children. Oh my goodness, Lord. You prove that you save and that you can save. We thank you for leading us through the past year and a half. Don't ever let us forget what you've done, because we need that for the future until you come, Lord Jesus Christ, a second time. And we ask for that. We look forward to that. We celebrate now with it. Father, thank you that grace got this. In your wonderful, saving name, where you gave life where there was no life. In the name of Jesus, amen.